Hey everybody, this is Lucas from Coastal Vineyard. Just wanted to say thank you for downloading this podcast or maybe picking up a CD after service. We love you and we are praying for you. We believe that your best days are yet to come. So expect the best. We hope that this message inspires you and moves your faith into action. So sit back and enjoy. Wanted to share a story uh, real quick with you this morning about something that happened to me this last week. And I think that in the midst of me sharing this story, that it is going to relate uh, to you somehow with what maybe God is doing in your life. Not for everyone, but for maybe a few people in here this morning. So this week, um, I am working at the house, and I'm on the computer. And underneath my computer, there's one of those little um, power... Uh, surge protector deals. So I have all, I have the computer plugged into it and have ev- everything else plugged into it. And um, I'm working along and I'm about maybe three hours into working on this one particular uh, project. And lo and behold, my daughter, one-year-old Kobe, comes into the room and she just loves lights. So any type of little light, she just has to, you know, oh, lights, press the button. And, of course, on the power strip, there is that little red light that says, hey, you have power. And so she decided to, you have no more power. And so I lost, like, all of this work. It took me, like, three hours to do all that. And so I'm just there, and I'm just, you know, she's just laughing. She's like, this is fun, you know, press the button. And I'm, like, so mad that all I could do is just say, Devin, Get in here and please get your child. Just get her. Like, I am so upset. I am so upset. You know, and like, that's all I kept saying is, I'm upset. I'm upset. But like, I couldn't be upset at her because she's one. And she has no clue and she's still laughing on the ground. And I'm just there and Devin comes and gets her. And I just want to cry. But I realize that it's over and done with. You know, I just, I got to redo everything I did. And so I'm thinking to myself, man, this is going gonna to take me forever. So I just start doing it again, start working again, writing this uh, particular paper. And this time, though, instead of it taking me three hours, I had it done in like 22 minutes. And I was just like, oh, wow, you know, that was amazing, you know, because I kind of knew everything that I had already done. I had already put in all the groundwork so it only took 22 minutes. Um, what is the point of that story? Um, I was kind of, you know, I went through that, and I was kind of feeling like this week that maybe for some of you, you kind of feel like in life that you have put in a whole lot of work at certain things, and it may feel like God has kind of pressed the plug on you. That you've just worked so hard, so hard. You've put in years and years and years of labor like you're working towards something. And then all of a sudden, a switch gets flipped, and then you have to start all over. And you're just like, well, why, God? Why this? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in with a particular relationship um, at your work, with your family. Maybe a particular person that has just been, you've been working for so long to try to make the relationship right again, and it just seems like everything's going great, and then all of a sudden, the button gets pushed, and everything, and everything inside of you just says, man, I have to start all over again. 
I am so frustrated. I am so angry. Um, But what I kind of felt like God saying this morning is that it's not going to take you as long this time. That what took you years and years and years of working towards at one point in your life now is just going to take days. What may have taken you seven months at one point now can take you seven days. And so I don't know if that makes sense to anyone, but that's hopefully for somebody. It was for me as well. Um, But anyway, all right. Uh, Maybe I should have shared that at the end because I know maybe for a few of you now that's, that's... that's it. That's all you needed. So, like, there goes that, you know, share that at the end. And then everybody leaves like, oh, that was, yeah. <laughs> now you're not going to hear anything else I have to say because that was all you needed this morning. So let's go have lunch. Like, no, seriously, let's go. No, 20 minutes. Like, just give me some time. Uh, Galatians chapter 3 starts out like this. Oh, foolish Galatians. Don't you just love it when a sermon starts like that? Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? So here we have a letter to the church. Paul is writing to the church of Galatians. And remember, the last few weeks we said that this is just not a letter to a particular church in Galatia, but this is also a letter that is to us, a letter to the church. So that we could take everything and just say, instead of not just the church of Galatia, but it's the church of Shalot. And it's not just the church in general, as in a whole bunch of people that are just kind of mysteriously out there, but it's a letter to me, that I am a part of the church. So it could easily read, oh, foolish Lucas, who has bewitched you? So in other words, the Gentile, or the Galatians at this point in time, they have begun to turn to another gospel. They're turning to a gospel that says, it's not just what Jesus Christ has done for you, but it's also faith with these works. We're also trying to add to the gospel that Jesus said, I've come and I've paid it all. And so Paul is writing this letter, and he starts out with these words, Oh, foolish Galatians. See, the Bible is full of all of these words and all of this language, and sometimes some of it is really, really harsh. And for me, there's this one moment in the Bible where Jesus uses this particular language towards Peter that I think is some of the harshest language in the Bible. It's this moment where Jesus is talking about the cross, and he's getting ready to move towards it, And Peter tries to rebuke him. And Jesus turns to him and says this, get behind me, Satan. Could you imagine? This is the, this is Jesus, creator. Like, you've been following this guy. You love him with all of your heart. You're fighting against Satan. Like, you know, good side, Jesus, bad side, Satan. And Jesus turns to you and says, get behind me, Satan. Like, I think at that moment, I would just kind of be like, <laughs> seriously, just die. Like, open. Like, that's what would happen. Excuse me. That's why you don't do that. But it would hurt. I think I would just be crushed. And so there's this language. And language is this powerful tool. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it 
shall eat the fruit thereof. You see, with our language, with our words, we can bless or we can curse. We can praise or we can put down. We could humble or we could humiliate with our language, with our words. But here's the thing about language and about words. They're often, very, very often misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood? Um, When we first started the church, I would you know, give these messages and these sermons, and then afterwards I would begin to ask people, well, you know, what did you think? What did you learn from the sermon? And they would begin to tell me this stuff, and I'm like, that is not even what I talked about. Like, (laughs) seriously, is that what you got? So I don't even ask that question anymore. So I don't want to know. Like, whatever you learned, like, keep it to yourself. Don't tell me. And... (laughs) Because that's not what I said. Misunderstood. Have you ever been misunderstood? Um, Not just with the spoken language, but especially with the electronic language. Text, uh, Facebook, come on, like the worst for Twitter, like, you know. Um, So I'm looking this week and I'm thinking, I wonder if there's like some kind of misunderstandings that I could throw on the screen. And I see this text message. And this first text message Uh, is a message from mom to uh, daughter. And it says, what does I-D-K-L-Y and T-T-Y-L mean? And she replies, I don't know. I love you. Talk to you later. (laughs) Okay, I'll ask your sister. (laughs) Big misunderstanding. One more. This one is a text from dad to his daughter. Mom, or or from daughter to dad. Uh, Mom wants to know, uh, can you get her some Prego? Well, I can't. I had that problem solved years ago. Oh, my gosh, Dad. Whoa, way too much information. I'm forever be grossed out. Mom wants you to get pregnant with the cooking stuff. Okay, sweetie. Like, misunderstandings. Have you ever been misunderstood? Um, not too long ago, or actually quite, a, quite long ago, I was in Indonesia, and I'm learning the language and um, just kind of hanging out. And I'm talking to these street vendors, and I say, um, And what that means is, what I thought it meant at the time, was um, he was asking me, what have you done? And I'm like, well, I'm getting ready to go and have lunch with my friend. And he's looking at me like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I just keep repeating it. I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like translating all the words, you know, I want. I'm going to go eat lunch with my friend. And I had forgot to, like, flip the whole noun verb thing. And so what I was saying was, I'm going to go eat my friend for lunch. (laughs) And he's just looking at me like, dude, this white, crazy American guy, they are getting crazier and crazier over there. And, uh, dude, it was a bad misunderstanding, but we got it all right. So there's these words, and words can have life, and they could be so misunderstanding. Have you ever said something that was supposed to be a compliment that turned into an insult? Uh, Even with spelling, if you've ever got a text from me, chances are there was something misspelled in there, and it meant something completely different. Um, But we read this book, and this book is composed of words. And in the book of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And he's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about this Word. And see, we've built a life based upon words. We live a faith 
uh, and a relationship with Jesus Christ in his word, saying this is where we kind of hold our cornerstone in our faith, the word of God. And so we begin to read this word, and it's often what we hold dear even in our darkest and hardest of times of life. And so it's really important that we understand these words correctly. The church is often divided because of misinterpretations of words. Uh, Families are broken up because of misinterpretations of words. And so when we read the words here in Galatians, oh, foolish Galatians, there could be this moment where we want to automatically judge and say, oh, it's very harsh language. Or when Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. And there's all these moments of like, imagine when someone comes to you and they've seemingly insulted you. What is your first response? Well, sometimes that first response is, well, who do you think you are? There's that instinct within us sometimes that wants to fight and it wants to just, mm. But um, here, let me give you this example first. Um, a few years, or six years ago, uh, got married, and at the beginning of our marriage, uh, me and Devin would have some arguments. Uh, we still have arguments today. I know, like, pastor, we still argue. But we have these arguments, and in the middle of these arguments, Devin, at some point, would say this to me. He's, she would say, what do you think I'm lying to you? What kind of person do you think I am? Do you not think the best of me? And that was just such a great question. What kind of person do you think I am? So like even in the misinterpretation of our conversations of things, she would bring up, well, how are you thinking of me? Because how you're thinking of me affects how, even, even if what I say is the wrong thing, it's going to affect how you treat me. What kind of person do you think I am? This is a great question for all of our relationships, especially with God. What kind of God do you think he is? Because that right there is one of the most important questions that anyone will ever ask you. What kind of God do you think he is? Because the way that you answer that question affects everything. It affects everything everything. See, because if God is out to get you, then the world is out to get you. You see, if God doesn't love you, then how could anyone else? You see, if God is angry and mad, then everything else is angry and mad, and his words are angry and mad. How do you think about God? See, if we don't have a good relationship with God, if we don't have good thoughts towards God, it's going to affect our relationships with our family, our friends, our marriages, everything. See, if I was Peter and God called me Satan, but then there's this moment when I realize it's not just the language that he's using, but it's who is speaking it. So I have to ask myself, who? When Devin is asking that question, when she's done something that I don't understand and I'm upset, well, who is this person? Is she out to get me? Does she love me? I ask myself the who. Who is speaking here in this letter? It's Paul. When he's here and he's calling foolish Galatians, here is Paul. Here is a man who's been through a radical conversion. 
He's been beaten and left for dead. All for the sake of the gospel. He is writing a letter to the church that he has something invested in. This is the church that he had helped start. He's not just writing this kind of one-time letter where people that are just kind of out there and he has no relationship with. These are people that he loves. So this isn't just a moment of anger and bitterness, but these are words of love. There's kind of a famous quote that says this, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so Paul is writing this letter, and he cares. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 2.24. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you. He's talking to the church at Corinthians now, but it also applies to all of his letters. Out of much affliction and anguish, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. So in other words, if we're not interpreting all of his letters and all of his texts through this one lens that says, I'm doing this out of love. I'm writing this, and some of this language is harsh, and even when I say, oh, foolish Galatians, it's not this like, oh, foolish Galatians, I'm so mad at you, I'm so angry. It's, oh, foolish Galatians. Don't, don't you see that you're turning away from the gospel that Jesus has so portrayed to you with the cross to something else that says, in those days, it was something that said, you have now have to be circumcised as well as the cross. See, it was adding to it. And he's saying this out of love. He's saying, you know what? It's not like this. It's not to be rude. I'm bringing correction. Yes, there's harsh language, but there's comfort in his words because I know who's giving the words. See, there's, there could be still miscommunication between me and my wife, but I have to know what I believe about her to be true that she loves me. And she's not doing this to purposely come against me. Or so somewhere along the line, maybe I've misinterpreted something. So who is asking the question? See, we live in a world right now that says we can say whatever we, we want and have nothing invested in it, and it's okay. And that is just not true. We could just be as rude as we want. We could bring correction to whoever we, we, we want. We could use harsh language, and we could do all that we want to do and never have invested a thing. And we wonder why people don't hear us. See, we can criticize the church but not do anything in the church. We could teach people how to live, but never really be alive ourselves. We could smash other people's efforts while never making any efforts of our own. We could talk about sacrifice without never having made one. We could teach someone how to swim without never even have touched the water. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't live like this. I'm so glad that Jesus saw a problem and didn't just say, well, here you go. No, Jesus stepped out of heaven and into humanity and provided a way for me and you. And so when these words come up that sometimes I don't understand and sometimes it seems like, it seems like wow, God, I don't, I don't get it, I have to remember the who. And the who is Jesus. And what I think about him translates into everything it translates into how i interpret the text and so in second corinthians 1 24 again paul says this not that we have dominion over your faith 
but we are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. So in other words, he's saying this, not that I'm trying to write these words to lord over you or trying to say that uh, I am the only right way, but I am a fellow worker with you. I am right here alongside with you, suffering with you, writing these letters in tears, loving you this whole time. Why? For your joy. For your joy. I'm doing it for you. There's nothing in this thing for me. I want you to have this joy that God has given me. So here is this man that has just become completely abandoned to Christ and says, it's for his name's sake alone. And that's why I'm doing, that's why I've been beaten with rods. And that's why I've been left for dead. And that's why I've been shipwrecked. And that's why all these things have happened. I'm doing it for Christ. And I love you guys. And so when these words come up, here comes the words of a man that have paid the price. See, the who matters. The context matters. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. But see, then there are some of those that can say all of the right things and have the right words, but something just isn't right. See, this is the salesman that just wants to, you to buy the new car, and everything he says just sounds so amazing, but something just isn't right. This is the politician that sounds wonderful, but never gives the direct answer, never once has said yes or no. This is where everything sounds, this is the co-worker that loves you, and then the second you turn around, stabs you in the back. This is the pastor that has ulterior motives, that has something else to gain other than just for your joy, for your love. And here's the reality. There's been some of you in here that have been hurt by other Christian leaders. Some of you that have been hurt by the hearing of words. Some of you have been misinterpreted. Some of you have fallen under a doctrine that says God is angry. Some of you think that you are not forgiven, that you are beyond help, that nobody wants to be around you, and neither does God. And so when you read the Bible, you read it through that lens. You read the Bible through a God that is angry and a God that is just standing there waiting for you to do something wrong so you can be punished. You see, there's all these, these people that get on these different kind of kicks and they say, you know, there's the guy that's totally into prophecy and he says, well, the Bible's all about prophecy. And there's 479 verses about prophecy. And then there's the guy that's all about leadership. and says, well, the Bible's all about leadership. There's 677 verses about leadership. The Bible's all about uh, um, money. There's 59,000 verses about money. The Bible's all about the end times. The Bible's all about sin and judgment. And, and then they have all these things to back up why this is what the Bible is all about. And they're seeing it through that lens. And that's all they can see. But let me tell you, I'm a little bit biased. I think that the Bible is all about love. I think the Bible is all about redemption. I think the Bible is a story that God so loved the world that he gave. And what he gave was his own, (laughs) his son. Now, you know, I have a one and only daughter, and I love her so, so much. And I'm not giving her up for one of you guys. 
I'm not there yet. <laughs> if it comes down between me jumping in front of a bullet, her or you, you better have a vest on. Because <laughs> I'm going to choose her every time. But God, <laughs> so loved that he gave. And so when I read this book, it's a book about forgiveness. It's a book about a God that will give anything to have you in his arms. Because he loves you that much. And so when we read his words, and we read things that we might not quite understand, ask yourself, who? Who is it that's doing the talking? Let's pray. Lord God, this morning, my prayer is that we would be a people that would not be afraid of you but that we would be a people that would draw close to you. Even in the midst of the thunder and the lightning and the scariness of you. Even in the fear of you, Lord God, that we would draw close. For you love us, God. I just pray now in this moment that you would pour out your love to each person in this building right now, to each person listening in on the podcast, God, that we would just feel your love surround our hearts, God. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. All who are weak, all who are weary, come to the to the fountain